Hi, welcome to Come Follow Me with Bree, episode 38, Open Your Mouth. All right, first off, thank you so much for everybody who shared this week. Thank you for interacting with me on Instagram. For those of you who aren't following me on, on Instagram, my Instagram username is Come Follow Me underscore with Bree. And the purpose of that Instagram is just so that you can get to know me. Um, I aspire <laughs> to create a lot of really awesome religious content for you. But for now, my bandwidth allows for me to just share with you a little bit about my life so that when I'm talking to you, you feel like you know me. So again, thank you so much for sharing this week. And I'm loving seeing all of your listens. Okay, so this week's background history is all about missionaries coming to and from Missouri. And at the beginning of Section 60, there are four groups that are currently, at the time, in Missouri. Oliver Cowdery and his group have been there the longest since January 1831. And then there's Joseph Smith, and then he has a large group of missionaries accompanying him. And then there's the Colesville Saints that we've been talking about that were commanded to go there, I think, was that last week or two weeks ago? One of those. Uh, they were commanded to go to Missouri. And then there were a few people that already lived in the area who've been converted. So just to give a short recap, Section 60 gives directions to the saints in Missouri. A bunch of them had assignments. A bunch of them had assignments that have now been fulfilled. But also, a bunch of them didn't have an assignment. So at this point, they were kind of wondering what they were supposed to be doing. The Lord directed many of these missionaries who were in Missouri that they should go back to Ohio. But he also chasing them because they hadn't been sharing the gospel as much as they could while they had been traveling. Then section 61 is an interesting one. This revelation took place on the bank of the Missouri River. There had been some contentions happening between the men and also it had become fairly scary because the Missouri River at that time of year was not particularly safe. Joseph Smith records that William W. Phelps saw, quote, the destroyer riding in power on the face of the waters. Now, I'm going to be honest with you here. I couldn't find a whole lot of information on this vision other than what we are told right here. There's a quote from Joseph Fielding Smith that you could look up that has some interesting perspective on it, but I'm not going to go into that right now because it's not super relevant to what I'm going to talk about today. The Lord does say, however, in verse 18, and now I give unto you a commandment that what I say unto one, I say unto all, that you shall forewarn your brethren concerning these waters, that they come not in journeying upon them, lest their faith fail and they are caught in snares. So he's certainly telling them that their faith and righteousness has something to do with their safety on this journey, which makes sense because we see a whole lot in scripture. A lot of our scripture prophets and the people described in them, their safety on journeys is determined by their faith. All right, so the Lord instructs them, some of them, to travel by land. And one of the men was very sick, and so the Lord also says that they can buy an animal to ride on so that this man can complete the journey. And that William W. Phelps and Sidney Gilbert, whose responsibility it had been to transport a printing press, can choose how they want to return, whether that be by water or by land. And then finally, in section 62, Joseph Smith and the men with him ran into another group of missionaries traveling the opposite direction down to Missouri. And the missionaries that had been traveling toward Missouri, toward Joseph Smith and his party, had been delayed because of sickness. 
when they saw each other, they were super happy to see each other and then basically had a testimony meeting. And Joseph Smith received this revelation at that time. This revelation basically tells them that they should continue on to Missouri to hold a conference and that bearing their testimony and being missionaries brings great blessings. Okay, so that is some basic history for you. We are primarily in these sections talking about experiences and direction given by the Lord happening during the missionary efforts and travels of the time. And we know that missionary work is one of our primary missions here on earth at this time. We have many scriptures telling us this directly and indirectly. So indirectly, we have commands such as love thy neighbor as thyself. Feed my sheep. When you are in the service of your fellow beings, you are only in the service of your God. And how better to do all of these things than to share the good news of the gospel in whatever way you are directed by the Spirit? Think about it. If you feel love for someone, you only want the best for them. And what is the most essential thing for every person you ever meet? The Savior. There is no other way than through Him. Now, we need to be directed by the Spirit for whatever will be the most effective way you can share the gospel. Some people you meet are ready to accept the gospel, ready to hear you bear your testimony, ready to receive the Spirit, but others might not quite be ready for such bold efforts. The only way to perfectly distinguish is to always be working through the Spirit. If you are in tune with the Spirit, you will know the right ways to help each person. And that might be bearing your testimony with passion and inviting them to learn more. Or, for now, it might just be being their friend, planting that seed. Always with the primary intent of just loving them and serving them right where they are at, as the Savior would. But, as we are going to learn in the couple of verses that I'm going to talk about, we need to be careful to not use social comfort or fear as an excuse to not open our mouths. I think that we can all convince ourselves in most circumstances that it's not the right time. I know that we have all felt that awkward feeling when you feel a little prompting and then you don't say something because it feels too awkward or too embarrassing. Or like I said before, I think we can all convince ourselves at any given time that it's not the right time. In section 60, verse 2, it says, But with some I am not well pleased, for they will not open their mouths, but they hide the talent which I had given unto them, because of the fear of man. Woe unto such, for mine anger is kindled against them. And it shall come to pass, if they are not more faithful unto me, it shall be taken away, even that which they have. So, really quick, I want to just touch on, why is the Lord angry? when we don't use our talents, when we don't open our mouths, when we are prompted to. And I always like to think about things like that coming from a place of love. The Savior wants to use us as instruments in his hand. He wants those people to hear the gospel. He wants them to have those opportunities. And when we squander those opportunities, opportunities that could be fruitful, that could really help those people, that makes the Lord angry because he loves them and he wants them to have that opportunity. And ultimately, you not saying something, you not doing what you need to do, you can't frustrate God's plan for them. 
But I'm sure you can imagine that the Lord becomes frustrated with us when we aren't allowing ourselves to be used as he would like to use us. I was just telling my husband earlier today that one of my favorite things about growing up in Southwest Missouri is that I was unique in that I was a member of the church. None of my school friends were members, which sometimes was hard, but most of the time it helped me be stronger in my convictions because people knew what my values were. And often other people would hold me up to my own values. I was different. I was peculiar. Now, I'm not going to say that I never gave into temptation and I never did anything wrong because I sure did, but I do know that I held myself to a higher standard and other people around me held me to a higher standard because for myself, in some ways, I felt it was my responsibility to be an example for the church. Some of my favorite memories are sharing my testimony with my friends. One of my best friends came to seminary with me for two years. And I'm still super impressed that she would want to wake up and be willing to wake up so early to come to Mormon seminary. And she didn't end up joining the church, but I don't know what that seed will do for her someday. Maybe that planted something in her that someday will really help her embrace the gospel. I also remember going on a camping trip with my two best friends and late at night telling them about the Book of Mormon and what it was and bearing my testimony. I remember trying to be a good influence to my friends who were struggling and felt lost. And because of the gospel, I was so incredibly equipped for my age by the spirit to know what to say to them and how to help them. And this is one of the things that I've missed since moving to Utah. Nearly everyone I know is a member of the church. And in so many ways, it is so incredible. But in other ways, I do miss the more frequent opportunities to be different and to share the gospel. And I miss that for my kids too, which (laughs) enter this podcast. Even though I'm generally speaking to people who are already members of the church, I consider this a way to bear my testimony to the world and to strengthen other members. I think about what we've been told about even the strongest, the very elect spirits falling in these last days. And I think that if you are in an area where there are a lot of members of the church, I think strengthening the members around you is also sharing the gospel and also being a missionary. And I truly hope that this podcast can help in preventing some of that, that maybe someone who listens can be strengthened enough that they don't fall. Whoever you are listening, I truly love you and I pray for you every night. And when I see your, my little numbers tick up, I imagine you listening to me and I hope and I pray that you are hearing the Lord's love for you through this. Something I've been thinking about doing eventually that maybe some of you can give me some feedback on is creating a companion short episode for each week that is geared more toward people who are not members of the church, like a weekly come follow me missionary discussion related to that week's lesson that could be shared with anyone, including people who aren't members. I just think sometimes when I ask you guys to share, I think about how geared these episodes are toward people who are already members of the church and that it might be nice to have a shorter version geared toward people who are not so that if something touches you and you feel like it's relevant to somebody you know, you can share it knowing that there is an episode geared more towards someone who is not a member of the church. So I would love any feedback you have on that if you think that that would be helpful or interesting. 
feel free to contact me and let me know what your thoughts are. Okay, so let's talk about some reasons that we hesitate to, quote, open our mouths and hide our talents, as the Lord describes. So the first one I always think about is embarrassment or fear of consequences. And I think the Lord calls that fear of man. It's human nature to not want to look silly in front of other people or not want to make people angry. And we all know that some people might listen to us bear our testimony and think it's amusing or be annoyed or not take us seriously. In verse 2, it says they did not open their mouths because of the fear of man, that those who keep their mouths closed because of the fear of man should be concerned because his anger is kindled against them. The Apostle Paul said, quote, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Anytime I share my testimony, especially with people that I am worried might think it's silly or might be annoyed, I always that phrase always pops up in my mind. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I just think no matter what those people think, I know I'm doing the right thing. I know I'm doing what the Lord would have me do. And I refuse to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And don't forget one of the most poignant accounts in scripture of being ashamed of Jesus Christ. President Hinckley summarized it beautifully like this, quote, Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet I will never be offended. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night, before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet I will not deny thee. There followed shortly thereafter the terrible agony in the garden of Gethsemane, and the betrayal. As the procession moved to the court of Caiaphas, Peter followed unto the high priest's palace and went in, and sat with the servants to see the end. While the mockery of that trial was going on, and Jesus' accusers spit on him and buffeted him, and smote him with the palms of their hands, a damsel, seeing Peter, said, Thou was also with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I do not know what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him, and said unto them that were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him they that stood by, and said to Peter, Surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech betrayeth thee. Then he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man, and immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. What pathos there are in those words. Peter, affirming his loyalty, his determination, his resolution, said that he would never deny. But the fear of men came upon him, and the weakness of his flesh overtook him. And under the pressure of accusation, his resolution crumbled. Then, recognizing his wrong and weakness, he went out and wept. Close quote. We don't have Christ here physically in front of us, like Peter did. Most of us have not been asked to deny him, or even, in an accusatory setting, affirm him. But yet again, this is another time where our actions can speak louder than our words. Ask yourself if your actions are speaking to that. Are you ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do you open your mouth? Do you have a fear of man? Do you seek guidance from the Holy Ghost with a willingness to do so, to open your mouth when you are prompted? 
Do you seek out opportunities to speak of him? As Nephi tells us, And we talk of Christ, we rejoice in Christ, we preach of Christ, we prophesy of Christ, and we write according to our prophecies that our children may know to what source they may look to for a remission of their sins. And may I add in there that we also do these things that the world may know to what source they may look to for a remission of their sins. The Lord will support you as you allow him to put the words you should speak into your heart. Think about Samuel the Lamanite. The people threw him out of the city after he tried to preach to them. While leaving the city, he was then commanded to turn back around and preach to the people. It says in Helaman chapter 13, verse 4, And it came to pass that they would not suffer that he should enter back into the city. Therefore he went up and got upon the wall thereof, and stretched forth his hand, and cried with a loud voice, and prophesied unto the people whatsoever things the Lord put into his heart. He then bore a powerful testimony and gave also a powerful warning from the Lord. There were some that believed him and sought out the prophet Nephi. But there were also many who did not believe him, and they were angry with him, and they threw rocks at him and shot arrows. But the Lord was with him, and they could not hit him. When they saw that they couldn't hit him, some were converted, but most of them still didn't believe and still tried to kill him. Now, we don't have arrows and stones being thrown at us, but people's words and opinions can feel scary too. And I think we need to remember that as the Lord's second coming grows closer, we don't know what the future holds. It might eventually be actually physically scary for us to stand our ground in our testimony. And if we can't even stand our ground or be bold when all we have being thrown at us are our words or opinions, or even just feelings, and we can't stand our ground then, what chance do we hold when it becomes physical, when it becomes actually physically scary? So that's what I like to think about when I think about boldly declaring my testimony or following the Spirit and doing things anyway, even though I'm a little nervous. I think about the fact that I intend to hold up to that pressure even when it gets scarier. And if I can't do it now, I'm not going to be able to do it then. We must prioritize the opinion that matters the most, and that is our Father in Heaven and our Lord Jesus Christ's opinion. And that opinion about us opening our mouths is very clearly laid out there. But with some I am not well pleased, for they will not open their mouths, but they hide the talent which I have given unto them because of the fear of man. Woe unto such, for my anger is kindled against them. I promise you that the Lord has things for you to say. He has words that he wants to put into your heart. And if you are in tune, willing, brave, and unashamed, I believe sincerely that he will work actual miracles through you. I want to quickly touch on one other reason that I think that people don't open their mouths. Have you guys heard of imposter syndrome? Imposter syndrome is a psychological pattern in which an individual doubts their skills, talents, or accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. So to apply that definition to this topic, I would like to say that in the realm of the gospel, imposter syndrome in relation to missionary work is when someone doubts their skill, ability to communicate, testimony, or knowledge level to the extent that they believe they are not qualified to speak to others about the gospel. Now, doing what I do, 
This is a topic I feel very passionately about. I've said it on here before, and I'll say it again. On paper, I am not qualified to do this podcast. I am not a gospel scholar, a scriptorian. I don't have a degree in anything related to the gospel or public speaking or communicating. I am surrounded by people in my ward who probably know more details about church history, the scriptures, and the gospel than I do. But that all being said, I 100% believe that I am qualified to do this. Do you think all the missionaries, as they leave 19, 18, 19 years old, do they feel qualified to go do that? Thomas S. Monson said, remember that this work is not yours and mine alone. It is the Lord's work. And when we are on the Lord's errand, we are entitled to the Lord's help. Remember that whom the Lord calls, the Lord qualifies. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are called to labor in the vineyard. You are called to gather Israel. You are called to be a missionary. Your testimony, no matter the stage that you are at, no matter your level of gospel knowledge, if you have a testimony of Jesus Christ, you are qualified to testify to the people around you. If you have a testimony of the Book of Mormon, you are qualified to bear testimony of it. The Lord will put into your heart the things that you should say. It might not be eloquent, but if it is done with the Spirit, it will be impactful. The Spirit is the teacher, not our words. So the next time you feel as though there is someone better equipped, know that there is only one of you. Your testimony is unique to you. You are absolutely the only one who is capable of expressing your personal love for the Savior, for his perfect gospel and his plan for us. You are qualified. He will magnify your efforts. Through small and simple things, great things will come to pass. I believe in you. The Lord believes in you. And never let those thoughts of inadequacy or feeling like an imposter keep you from bearing your testimony unashamed. Never let that keep you from allowing others to feel the love of the Savior through you for them. Because that is our great mission here on earth, right? To help bring souls, including our own, to Him. Bruce R. McConkie wrote, By reclaiming an erring brother, we save both him and ourselves. Our sins are hidden because we ministered for the salvation and blessing of another member of the kingdom. In principle, this special reward for Christ's ministers applies also to those who preach the gospel and bring souls to the kingdom. The minister is rewarded with salvation and, of necessity, in the process is freed from his own sins. Isn't that cool? When we do missionary work, our sins are forgiven us. It helps with our own salvation. In section 62, verse 3, the Lord tells us, Nevertheless, ye are blessed, for the testimony which ye have borne is recorded in heaven for the angels to look upon, and they rejoice over you, and your sins are forgiven you. In their commentary on the Doctrine and Covenants, Hiram Smith and John, actually I don't know how to say his name, but John A? <laughs> I don't know how to say his last name either. all <laughs> Noted, that in this revelation we are told that angels are scrutinizing the records kept by the testimonies of the elders, that they rejoice over the witnesses. It appears that from this, that the ministry of the earth has its effects beyond the veil, as well as on this side. An elder who bears his faithful testimony to the truth does not know how far-reaching the result may be, though his visible audience may consist of but a few. Think about that. 
Oh, that gives me the chills. Listen to that last part. We do not know how far-reaching the result may be, though his visible audience may consist of but few. Who else is listening to us? People on the other side of the veil? What you do matters. Your dedication and willingness to bear your testimony of Jesus Christ matters. Listen to the Lord's admonition to us all in Doctrine and Covenants section 18, verse 14 through 17. Wherefore, you are called to cry repentance unto this people. And if it so be that you should labor all your days in crying repentance unto this people, and bring save it be one soul unto me, how great shall be your joy with him in the kingdom of my Father. And now, if your joy will be great with one soul that you have brought unto me into the kingdom of my Father, how great will be your joy if you should bring many souls unto me. Behold, you have my gospel before you, and my rock and my salvation. We have the true gospel of Jesus Christ. We have the knowledge available to us that will ensure that we cannot fall. And if we have that knowledge ourselves, how great should our desire be that everyone around us has access to that? Helaman 5.12 And now, my sons, remember, remember that it is upon the rock of our Redeemer, who is Christ, the Son of God, that ye must build your foundation that when the devil shall send forth his mighty winds, yea, his shafts in the whirlwind, yea, when all his hail and his mighty storm shall beat upon you, it shall have no power over you to drag you down to the gulf of misery and endless woe. Because of the rock upon which ye are built, which is a sure foundation, a foundation whereon if men build, they cannot fall. It is our responsibility to share, to open our mouths, because we know where to build and we know through whom salvation comes. I bear my testimony to you that the Spirit will be your guide and will put into your heart the things that you should say. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.